0: Welcome to Private Banking Strategies Podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks, your secret weapon to protect your assets and never have to start over financially again. Vance and Seth help high net worth individuals, families, business owners, and investors structure an asset-protected tax-free fortress for their families. Learn how to keep what you earn and use the velocity of money to create your own private banking system. Join us on this journey as we explore the secret strategies of the rich and political elite and help you take total control of your financial security. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello and welcome to Private Banking Strategies with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. Vance, what's going on? Oh, it's just a beautiful day today. Ah, Nice. I'm excited because I know the topic. I, Of course, I get some notes ahead of time, and I know what you're talking about. You've kind of talked to me about this off air before. We won't get into that today, but I'm excited about this story. We're talking about a grocery store story, and Seth, you and I are kind of going to be sitting here listening, and uh, you, you've got a lot of comments to, to help Vance along the way, but Vance, let's get into this. All righty. You
2: two are going to provide the expert analysis, okay?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, you're expecting a lot there, Vance, but I'll I'll try my best. Seth, he was talking to you.
2: (laughs) Okay, folks, we I'm excited about this because things about the private banking strategy world revolves around basic techniques. One of those basic techniques are setting up and running a business. A lot of us out there, you know, have always shied away from running your own business. Oh, I could never do that. It's too complicated. But in fact, running a business is no different than running your personal life with your family. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you introduce a few extra principles, your family will prosper far better than uh, it probably has in the past. So, the best way I can explain this, and I'm, my resource material today is from R. Nelson Nass's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. If it's the fifth edition, you can find it on page 15. But I want to go through this because this is the crux, and this is what he's saying. If you can understand how a business works, you understand the private banking strategy. They go hand in hand. Okay, so I want to start that process here. If we're going to start a business and we're going to start this strategy, we have to understand that we are going to be both the consumer and the seller of the same thing.
3: Seth, Seth, what does that mean? What do you think that means? Well, I, I don't know the way that you have phrased it, uh, but we are the the operator owner and we are, which is the lender. And we're also the user of the funds, which is the borrower would would be my paradigm for it. Okay, great. We're going to use a grocery
2: store story here today because it fits all the requirements of what we're looking for. So let's say, We're going to start a business. What do we have to know? What 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 is part of the pre-planning? Eric, what would you think if you were going to start your own company or your own business and if it was a grocery store or not? What do you think you would have to have up in your head or what would be your preparation? Do you think?
1: Oh, I got to find location, location, location. So that's number one for me. I want a good location. And I need something big enough to supply what the needs are for the public and myself, right? So if if you said grocery store, I needed something that's going to be large enough to house all the groceries that people are going to possibly shop for.
2: Okay, good. And then we're going to have have to have some expertise in that, aren't we? Oh, yeah. And so most people go into business because they've been in that form of business as an employee or someone... Uh, under top level management or something, but they know how it runs. They know how it works. And they've gotten the idea. I can do this. I can do this on my own. And so they do the research. They do everything it's going to take. And you're right. There are some certain things that we have to have. The first thing is, if we're going to be a grocery store is location. The next is location and then location.
1: <laughs> yep.
2: So because people have to have, A place to shop that's convenient that's really close to them well then the next thing they look for and the next thing we have to have is probably a building that is really neat tidy, sharp, professional so that people when they come in hey wow this is really taken care of this is the state of the art or whatever else and then they have to come inside the store and they have to see the same thing, they have to see wow, these are fresh products, they're displayed well, and the price is low. Now, all this is going to cost money, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
2: It's going to cost a lot of money. And so we have to be prepared to come up with that kind of money. But because we don't have that money probably on hand, we're going to have to probably go deep into debt had to find a banker who will supply us, come up with our own uh, collateral or whatever else to satisfy the bank and uh, use someone else's money to start this process. So once we understand what we're doing, how we're going to do it, how we're going to put it together and we build it, the next thing that we have to understand is that there's a difference between the back door and the front door if we understand that process between those two we can make a very good living with a grocery store so let's just start and analyze one product in a grocery store i'm sure there are thousands and thousands of different products let's talk about a can of peas And this is probably has nothing to do with what the price is today, because inflation has just gone nuts. Mm -hmm. But back when the book was written, it cost, uh, you could buy a can of peas for 60 cents. What is little known is that it cost the store 57 cents for that can of peas. Why do you think it's such a low margin? Seth, why do, why do you think grocery stores operate with such a low margin?
3: Well, I would think they have to be competitive. They've got to keep uh, margins low to be able to be competitive in the marketplace so the person doesn't go down to the next local grocery store and buy there.
2: Exactly. Okay, so the canopies sitting on the shelf represents inventory. Inventory in a business has to turn over and in this case we have to turn the inventory 15 times a year in order to break even so eric give me your spin on that why do we have to you know roll our inventory
1: well especially with low margins you've got to you've got to basically sell in bulk in a way right i mean you've got to have a lot of people coming through the door a lot of products being purchased so that you have, you know, all those small margins need to add up to a large amount just to pay all the bills, the electricity, the employees, all of it. Okay. So you hit it right on the
2: head. You've got attorney's fees. You've got interest. You've got the employees. Okay. You've got the cash registers. You've got all the expense just to turn the lights on for a store that you have to be able to come up with and so by turning inventory 15 times it's only a break even Mm. good news is if you can turn it 17 times you'll make a profit okay so there's some magic here that i i want to evolve in and i'll i promise guys i'll turn this into the banking really really sweet and nice but nelson put this story in the book for a special reason. And I want to, we're going to hit on that. So if we can turn inventory 17 times, we make a profit. If we can turn it 20 times, we can retire early. And at 20 times, something magical happens. And to find out this magical stuff, I want to talk about water. Now we have to assume we're at sea level. If we heat water up at sea level to 210 degrees, what do we have? Hot water. What? Just water, nothing more. Eric, what happens if we heat it to 212 degrees?
1: Well, I'm a little <laughs> I'm a little far out of school, but I think that's right around boiling. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Just checking your math. Okay. Is it? (laughs) Tell me I'm right, please.
2: (laughs) So it boils, which creates steam. And now we have all kinds of power. You know, the steam engine was created. There's unlimited power at our hands when water boils. And so in business, we have to understand and know what that boiling point is. What is that magical part where our business just takes off for a grocery store? It's 20 rotations of inventory per year, because it jumps from 20 could go to 30 and could go to 40 within the year, within the next year. There's all kinds of things that happen once we hit the boiling point. So, That's important for us to understand because it affects all kinds of businesses that we're in. In the past, working with uh, people in the sales industry and uh, people in new business, trying to get them to understand this part, you know, we put in 85% of the effort. We'll put in 90% of the effort, and we're just not making a click. And little do we know, we give up, and we only needed 2% more. We only needed just to add a little more heat before the magic happens. So we have to discover that. It's very, very critical in every single business. I wish I'd have known this earlier, because when you start a business to try to teach people and have them plan, you've got to find this boiling point. You've got to find when your business activity will really let you take off. Okay, we're going to assume in this grocery store that, that this is a guy that owns the grocery store and he has a family. Well, his spouse is going to come in and buy groceries. Now she's got a cart full of groceries. And the whole idea here is if people come in and fill up their uh, shopping carts, they go to the front of the store and they go to the cash registers, check out, and go out the front door. Once that item is sold, we got to restock the shelves by, you know, the inventory again and bring it in through the back door. But the question I have, Seth, and you can answer this. If my spouse comes into to the grocery store that we own, fills up her grocery uh, cart, which door is she going to go out of the front door or the back door?
3: So I think she should pay for the groceries and go out the front door, Vance
2: yes you should but what is the common practice with cell phone businesses and a grocery store is really prevalent that they actually go out the back door because it's their store right right and if they go out the back door eric what's going to happen to that store
1: uh, more family members are going to want to go out the back door.
2: Oh, <laughs> ah, not <laughs> only family members, yeah. but they're going to be seen by the hired help. Aren't they? Mm. True. Yeah. And entitlement starts to kick in. Mm. Now I can't tell you how devastating theft is. <laughs> uh, Seth hit it or started to allude to it right up front or a few minutes ago. If one canopies are stolen, it takes 20 cans of peas sold to replace one that has been stolen. That store can never reach its potential. But yet, because we are the owners, we feel entitled that we can do anything we want. And so we end up taking you know, our groceries out of the store and wonder why we can't be as profitable uh, as possible So what I want to try to do is explain a different rationality of why people go out the back door. And I think you two will agree with me so that everyone else can understand. Every time we go into business, we end up having a silent partner.
4: Do you see yourself in that story? Do you feel like you are generating a lot of revenue but are not moving forward as fast as you would like? Are you ready for help? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com.
2: Seth, who's our silent partner?
3: Do you silent? know? Him? I don't know.
2: Eric? My okay. wife? Okay. <laughs> We're all going to learn something yeah. here today. Our silent partner is the IRS. Oh, yeah. In business, they want part of the profit, right? Always. And so if a store makes more money, the silent partner is going to make more money, Right. So if I take my groceries out the back door and don't have to pay for it, I don't have to declare that as income, right? It's a very polite way of describing theft. Mm. And it is so, so devastating. But the IRS is such a horrendous problem for all of us, our society, everything else. Suppose we could set up a situation that the profits from the sale of our groceries were not subject to income tax. Would that make life better?
1: Absolutely. If we didn't have to pay income tax.
2: Yeah. Heck yeah. (laughs) Okay. Thus we're going to introduce what's called a private banking strategy. Okay. We're going to operate a business. We're going to bring outside money in that is after tax. Uncle Sam's going to get his fair share. But once it's inside our control, the profits from that point on will be taxed advantaged. Okay, so in a family owned business, if we have controlled customers, all of our family, all of our extended family that's close, and even some others, and they're required to shop at our store and they don't even get any discounts, they don't get the coupons or anything else, our store is going to be very profitable, isn't it? Mm -hmm. With that, we'll be able to buy more product and sell more volume in this boiling um, scenario to be able to be profitable and have a business that will sell at a much higher price than another store, who is has been taking um, stuff out of the back door all along. So if we could create that environment and get rid of our silent partner, things are really going to change for us. So the whole purpose of putting the grocery store story in Nelson's book was that if you can understand how the grocery store works – You can understand banking easily because banking is a whole lot easier. You don't have to worry about location. You don't have to worry about employees, which means you don't have to worry about workers' compensation and all these rules and regulations that come down to business owners because everyone in government likes control. And it takes the control and the profitability away from you. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to have liability insurance on this strategy. Mm -hmm. So this is why he's put in here that it's so important to uh, be able to know how businesses work. Everybody should understand that. And these are basic things that should have been taught in school, you know, from kindergarten all the way through a master's degree that have been taken out the grocery stores. If you're going to run a grocery store, the only experience you're going to get is you got to go to a grocery store. You got to be hired by them and work for them and figure it all out. And that's how it's passed down. Uh, Unless I'm sadly mistaken, there are no schools to teach you how to run a grocery store (laughs) Mm. or your own personal economy. And so I think this makes great sense. I think it makes things clearer on the path that we're trying to do on the banking side. If we can control the money, if we don't steal from ourselves, the person looking back at us in the mirror is our client. We are the investors. We create the bank. We lend money to the bank. The bank then buys debt and lends money to the client so that they can live and go to work and then pay back into the system. And it's a velocity system that returns money over and over again. So guys, I just wanted to share this story with you. And Seth, I'd like to give you a little bit of time. I've been doing all the talking here, but along with the grocery store, and what we do for people and how we set up the banking strategy involves many different aspects. So I'm sure I've left a few things out that you probably wanted to mention. So why don't you give us a little input or, you know, on something that I might not have made clear?
3: Sure. No, I mean, I think it's a fascinating example and illustration that that Nelson created and one that that really emphasizes that as you begin to implement and operate your banking uh, uh, transactions and structures, whether it's purchasing credit card debt or purchasing an automobile financing, outstanding financing, or actually purchasing it for the first time through your own bank, or purchasing a house or investing in something else, that you've got that cyclical repayment And the money coming back to you, not going to a third party, it's the same concept as actually paying for the peas instead of walking out the back door, you don't let that money come out of your bank. And then you don't pay yourself back and that you implement the structures, you implement the loan transactions, you execute the promissory notes between the borrowing entity, whether it's you personally or an LLC or a trust that you have, and it actually pays back your own private bank, just like it would pay Wells Fargo back or Bank of America with interest. And thereby you're getting multiple touches on the same dollar and it's all growing Compounding year after year in a tax advantaged way, where there's no there's no tax liability, there's no tax event in that cycle. Um, so it it's brilliant, you know. And a lot of times people they begin to analyze. Well, if I you know I put a hundred thousand dollars into my bank, do I have a hundred thousand dollars in cash uh, value available to loan out right away? Well, of course not. And the reason being is because if you Die the next day, the life insurance company is going to pay a multiplied uh, X factor on what your premium was. And so you're buying insurance just like when you fund a new business or capitalize a new business and you've got the location that you have to undertake the cost of that, whether you build it or lease it. You've got um, employees, you've got overhead, you've got all of the aspects of running a business where the private banking is actually much more efficient uh, by leaps and bounds. But you still have some cost of forming and funding that business. But the 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 catch up or the point where you begin to go parabolic in the return on your investment is much much faster. You're going to be making money much faster. And ultimately set up a system that benefits you and, and your children and your grandchildren if they choose to to utilize it in a fashion that just having a business could never do. I want to jump in
1: here, guys. It's kind of almost a, an outside perspective because Vance and Seth, Vance, you, you kind of alluded to this story. In one of the very first podcasts we we did together, and I didn't quite understand it then, quite honestly, how the comparison was to the private banking strategy, but what I've learned over the time with you guys is that if somebody owns a grocery store, and I'm also going to bring up a car dealership, somebody owns a car dealership, there's a certain amount of pride that somebody has in owning that and shopping at their own store. If I'm a Chevy dealer, I'm going to be driving Chevys right? If I, if, I'm, if I own a Chevy dealership, I will be driving Chevys from that point on for sure, right? Because I have pride in the ownership that I own that car dealership. I'm going to be driving the cars that I sell to the public. And same thing with a grocery store. If I'm going to be shopping in a grocery store, it's going to be my grocery store. And when you have that sense of pride, your family begins to feel that. And your, your, so your children and your grandchildren, if they see what you've built with having this, this grocery store or a car dealership, I believe truly, they're more likely to shop from there because, hey, this is my family's grocery store. So, equate, you know, let's transfer that to this private banking strategy. There is going to be a pride in accomplishment to be able to say, hey, this is our family's bank. I'm, I'm going to go here for a loan if I need a loan. I'm going to go here. I'm going, I'm going to invest my money in this, in this scenario because this is what my family has built. And that's the parallel that I drew from this story. Um, You know, after I learned more about your private banking strategy, after I heard about the grocery store, because why wouldn't your family have pride in something that you took time, effort, sweat, equity to build and built well? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I want to hit on something Seth said just earlier. I think it'll bring, put on one more light. Seth perfectly outlined how the banking relates To the inventory of a store. Hmm. When you sell something, you have to replace it. It comes back. It is put back on the shelf. Okay. And then the inventory revolves. It's the same thing with money. We have to get the money back in essence. And it's our bank. When we lend the money out, those payments come back in and that those payments are accumulated and put back to work. It's that simple.
3: So any more comments,
2: uh, Seth, because we
3: interrupted you. No, I think it's a great dialogue to have. And just to parlay off of what you were saying, Eric, is that once you can actually educate, you know, first, usually one spouse comes to us and they're excited about it. And the other spouse has to have the light turn on. Same thing uh, pretty much with every married couple. And then as they begin to build that and they can place policies on their children without their children really understanding the banking. But as those children grow up and become adults, they're going to have to understand how this banking system works, why their private family bank is superior to outside centralized banks and why it's in their best interest and their children's interest and their children's children's interest to actually take that to heart and begin to implement that. And the most successful families and folks that we have implementing private banking strategies are the ones that have full participation, you know, and everybody gets it. And they begin to parlay this into really deep wealth. And Vance tells a story of a person that he worked with that had twin daughters, and they ultimately became, you know, like had a banking system worth over a hundred million dollars. And that's all they did was make loans. And as those death benefits rolled over into children and grandchildren, it began to just accumulate like a avalanche effectively.
2: So, yeah. Anyway, that's our story for today on the grocery store story. A lot of people will read this story and they can't relate. But it's our job. What we do is to try to make Nelson's book come alive. We also have a book. We'll have uh, Seth tell us about that. But Eric, you were spot on with the pride, the understanding, and the accomplishment of owning something yourself and seeing the um, growth and the ability not to pay taxes. It's, it starts small, but, you know, if we can double things enough— Uh, We show an example in our book uh, on our website of doubling a penny for 30 days, what it actually will build. Hmm. And this banking system will do that. But it's not short term. It is long term strategy, something we do all of our lives every day. We want
1: to always plan to have the money come back into our control. Well again this is you've said this before and it's it is a lifestyle choice. Um, so Seth tell people where they can get more information to to understand this better.
3: Sure. You can find uh, lots of information about private banking strategies at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. So privatebankingstrategies.com. We have a free ebook that you can either read or listen to called uh, How to Grow Rich with the Secrets Banks Don't Want You to Know. We like to call it our red pill book because for a lot of people that are not familiar with private banking, they come to find different issues and topics like compounding interests and tax-free growth within this system versus the way centralized banks work and how the Federal Reserve works and some of these comparisons between the two that really are like earthquakes. That Red Pill book is really the first step in learning more about what it is. And of course, we have a whole plethora of podcasts available to folks on our website or in lots of other media in their chosen forum That they can listen to content that we've created to help educate them and so they can understand what it is. If you've read the book and you've listened to a few podcasts and that resonates with you, then they can schedule a call with Vance, an exploratory call where uh, you effectively start to take things on a test drive and uh, see how your particular financial situation and numbers can benefit in an eight year roadmap that Vance lays out for you. So that's our process.
1: Fantastic. Vance, thank you so much for the story. Uh, it resonated well today. I'm sure the, the audience has questions, but they know where to go get answers. Thanks to you, Seth. So guys, any closing thoughts before I wrap this up?
2: I think I'm just so happy to be able to maybe share some some insight on this topic that is so widely needed mm-hmm. for Americans today.
1: Yeah, agreed. Guys, again, thank you so much. And of course, our last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe down button below. This way, when Vance and Seth come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And I want to pause here for just a second because I want to ask you as the audience, if you have questions, please email them in. Go to the website, figure out how to send questions into these guys. They'll gladly ask them. And that's part of what this podcast is doing is education. So we'd like to hear questions from you. And we also ask that you share this podcast, write it and leave a review as this actually helps others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Private Banking Strategies, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
4: Did that story feel like it was about you? Do you feel you should be making more progress toward your financial goals? Do you feel stuck? Let us help you get unstuck. Are you ready to take action and get your own private bank? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com.
0: Thank you for listening to the Private Banking Strategies Podcast.